This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, every time I air a night beat program, I receive a thank you from David Kelly of Waterloo, Iowa. He's a huge fan of the actor who had the starring role, Frank Lovejoy. He portrayed Randy Stone, a reporter who covered the night beat for the Chicago Star, encountering criminals, eccentrics, and troubled souls. Listeners were invited to join Stone as he searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Most episodes lean towards suspense, crime, and thriller themes, but Nightbeat also featured occasional humorous and sentimental stories. Each episode ended with Stone at his desk as he finished typing a news story based on his latest exploits and shouting for the copy boy to deliver his story to an editor. It's generally regarded as a quality show, Nightbeat, and it stands up extremely well. Frank Lovejoy was a powerful and believable actor with a strong delivery. The scripts were excellent, given that they had to cover much in a short time, and there was a good supporting cast, too. Orchestra and sound effects top-notch, too. Here comes the episode, A World of His Own. Night Beat. This is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. You know, stories start out in many different ways. Tonight's story started when I walked into a nice little guy's private world and it blew up right in my face. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. When the streetcars and the subways fill out their thousands of tired ones who scurry off into a million directions to find home, that's when my job begins. I start walking, looking for my story so that you can read about it in your morning newspaper and feel good because it didn't happen to you. Tonight I got my story fast. Just walking down Madison Street, west, away from the central street. I kept walking past the shooting gallery... The nickel arcade with the peak shows and the fortune-telling machines. The jukebox taverns. <laughs> Madison Street, the quick route to happiness with the world's worst hangover. And then straight ahead of me was Pop Gordon's training gym. That's where the public pays 30 cents to watch fellas training to beat each other's brains out. 
You know, when I got inside, it looked like just one of those fights. And then I heard one voice over the other. It was a voice I knew. Somebody call the cops and get that punchy loon out of here. You What's the matter, Pop? Yeah. This crazy owl's gonna tear off his rocker. But that's Billy. Yeah. Somebody call the cops. Wait a second, Pop. He's all right. Sure, sure. Listen to him. I'll kill you. Anybody leaves a glove on me gets killed. Only one place for a loon like that in the bughouse. I'm gonna get the cops and have this owl tied up. Oh, now, wait a minute, Pop. Let me talk to him. Randy, stay away from that lad. Five of us couldn't hold him. He knows me. Randy, the guy's gone nuts. I... Yeah, like I said, everybody's scared of getting the same Hey, Billy. Billy, Billy. What? Hi, Billy. How's it going? Uh, you coming in with me? Oh, sure, sure. Make me a big man getting into the same ring with a champ. Well, that's me, champ. And you're a two-bit bum. Well, that's a thumbnail description if I ever heard one. Admit it. The truth. A two-bit bum. Admit it. I admit it. I admit it, Billy. Yeah, but you don't mean it. You're laughing at me like the rest of them. You're laughing at me. Billy, I never laughed at you in my life. You laughed? Well, I'll show you what happens to anybody who laughs at Billy the Kid. As the world flew away in all directions, I dimly remembered how the sports writers used to speak so respectfully of Billy's fast left hand. But brother, if they knew what I just found out about his right... When the fog finally cleared, Pop Gordon was bending over me, and there were a lot of other faces, too. But I didn't see Billy when I stood up. You okay, Randy? Oh. This is being okay. I don't want any part of it. He slugs you, but good. Where is he? Uh, he took off before the cops come. Took off before anybody could grab him. I don't blame him. Uh, I let that bum come in at Jim and sit around. Everybody else pays 30 cents but him. I let him free. What's he do, huh? What's he do? He busts loose. He blows his top. But Why? What happened to Billy? Oh, I don't know. Tonight, I catch him putting a bite on my customers. Two bits here, a dime there. Billy was panhandling? Sure. Like I said, I didn't like it, so I tell him. And then when? I don't know. I'm over at the other side of the gym. I hear somebody laugh, and the next thing I know, the owl's swinging like a windmill. He's going to kill everybody just for being around. He ought to be tied up. Uh-huh. Just like that, huh? Yeah, he ain't safe. What do you want? The black Mariah to come around, cart him away like a load of rubbish? Yeah, but for his own good. Oh, Pop. Yeah. Remember when he was champ? He packed him in every club where he fought. He had a dollar or five dollars for anybody who held out a hand. So? What are you getting at? Well, now he's got no one, Pop, and now he's out in the cold. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'll forget the cops. But we still got to put him away. Well, all right, sure. But let's do it as painless as possible. I'll, uh... I'll keep him with me tonight, and then tomorrow... We'll... You going after him? Yeah, which way'd he go? Uh, straight up the streets, but watch out, Randy... He blows his lid. Yeah, I know. Don't worry. I don't want any rematch. I'd like to know why he blew his lid in the first place and my jaw in the second place. I'd known Billy a long time. A sweet, gentle guy who always seemed to be living in a world all of his own. A world that nobody else knew about and cared less. And now he was in trouble. In his mood, he might hurt someone. Or worse, he might get himself hurt. I must have walked for half an hour before I finally spotted him. He was standing on a corner. I stopped and watched him for a couple of minutes. I watched his hesitant and embarrassed panhandling. Then I walked over to him, slowly. Hello, Billy. What? Oh, hiya, hiya, Randy, old pal, old pal, hiya. You want some company? Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> good, good. Randy, where, where you been keeping yourself? I ain't seen you for a couple of weeks. 
You haven't seen me for a couple of weeks? Well, I, I thought maybe you'd forget an old pal, huh? No, you're <laughs> not the kind of a fellow one forgets, champ. Mm-hmm. Now, what was the uh, trouble back at the gym? Gym? What gym? Pop Gordon's. Pop's place? Yeah. Well, well let's go. I, I gotta help Pop. He, he's a good Joe, you know. He never charges me nothing. Wait a minute, hold on a second, Billy. Hold on. Yeah? Weren't you at the gym tonight? Oh, no, not tonight. I, I've been here. And you didn't, uh, massage my chin? You, you're giving me a rib. Well, what's you looking at me for like that, Randy? Forget it, Billy. You, you was just ribbing, huh? Oh, sure. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, I like ribs. I'm not giving a hot foot, nothing like that. But funny ribs that, that don't hurt nobody. Oh, no, sure. <laughs> can I ask you a $64 question? Well, sure not. You, you can ask me anything, Randy. Anything. I saw you a minute ago, Billy. What? I never seen you ask for a touch before. Uh, huh. I, I, I ain't never gonna do it no more, but... But, Randy, I, I got it tonight. I, I got to get a few bucks. Maybe 15 I already got $2. Maybe... Why do you need $15? Well, I, I, I got to get a new suit. A new suit? What's so special about tonight, Billy? What? That, that, that's something I, I got to do it. I just got to do it, Randy. I got to have 15 but... Hey, Dems Cox. Hey! Is that you, Randy? Yeah. Oh, Sullivan! Yeah. Randy... Don't let him pick me up for panhandling, please. No, I won't, please Billy. Don't. Now, you wait here. Wait here. I'll be right back. Yeah. yeah that's Billy back here, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, Sullivan. Why? Heard you had a little trouble with him back at the gym. Mm. Maybe we ought to put him in the tank for the night. Keep him out of trouble, huh? Look, uh, look, Sullivan. Huh? He's going away tomorrow for a long time. Oh, like that, huh? Yeah, that, that's it. This is his last night out. Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay, good. It's the way I do it myself. I'll see you around, Randy, but keep an eye on him. Yeah, I'll watch him like a hawk. Thanks, Sullivan. So long. Uh, well, what they say, Randy? They, they ain't gonna pick me up for mooching on it. They, they ain't gonna... No, no, no. Of course not. Uh, look, uh, Billy, how'd you like to come to my apartment for a while? Oh, I can't. I told you. I gotta get 15 bucks. Well, we'll talk about it. Well, I gotta get it tonight. Now, I gotta get a new suit because... Because... Yeah, go, go on. Why? I, I can't be wearing this crummy rag when when I see her. Not when when I see her. I didn't know what he meant. But whatever it made him go crazy at the gym, whatever it made him hit me was tied in with her. Who she was, I didn't know, and I wasn't sure that he knew. I finally talked him into going to my place and... When we went in, I watched that slow, gentle smile come over his face. Hey, this place is a number one. Yeah. Sit down, Billy. I ain't got much time. Just a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, I'm awful tired, Randy. Seems like a lot of things has happened tonight, you know. I, I'm kind of tired, sure. Want a drink, Billy? Oh, no. I, I, I never touch it, you know that. Yeah. And you never panhandled before. Well, I, I, I ain't gonna do that no more just tonight. I, I never bummed off of nobody. I paid my own way. Come anything, I, I paid my own way. Yeah, that's why I want to know why you're putting the bite on people tonight. I ain't gonna tell you. you, you you'll laugh. I won't laugh. You will. So somebody else laughed when I told you. Some, somebody laughed. and well, when, when somebody laughs at me, I don't like it. All I right, easy, you, I, easy, I, buddy. I, easy, easy. I, Come on now. Uh, it's better. 
I tell you, I, I, I gotta get 15 bucks. Hey. Hey, look, look, look at this. What's that, Billy? I, I cut it out of the paper today. I, I seen it. Hey, you take a look at it, huh? You'll read what it All says. Right. Mrs. Walter Compton and her husband. Yeah? Yeah, go on, that's more. Prominent society leaders of New York will be in town tonight. They're staying at the Lake Shore and. I can't go there in this crummy rag. Well, why do you have to see her? What? Well, I, I gotta tell her something. Hey, it's getting late, Randy. I, I gotta get. I'll lend you the fifteen dollars, Billy. You? Oh no, no. I pay my own way. Well, pay it back whenever you get a job. No, I don't want any handouts. It's just a loan, Billy. It's a loan. What? <laughs> uh, thanks, Randy. You, you're a champ. Now, now, tell me why you gotta see her. You, you ain't gonna laugh. I, I can take anything but that. Anything. I won't laugh, Billy. No, I, I, I guess you wouldn't. Okay. You, you remember once I was champ? Right? Oh, everybody knows you were champ. Now, what about her, Mrs. Compton? Yeah. Well, it's one night after a fight, see? I ain't champ yet, but I'm punching right up to the top, see? Okay, but this one fight, she ain't there. So I go to see her at her place. She's there. She's there. And so when I... Who's that? It's me, Billy. Where are you? Yeah, in a minute. Sure. Hey, I win tonight. I said I win tonight, Edna. Yeah, I heard on the radio. Well? Well, what? It don't mean a thing? Sure. Means a lot, I guess. You guess. <laughs> a kid for a dollar who's going to marry the next middleweight champ, you sure take things like a lump of ice. Yeah. Edna, anything wrong? Nope. Oh, there is. Okay, something's wrong. Have it your way. <laughs> you, you wasn't at the fight tonight, baby. I, I looked for you. It took me three, four rounds to get going because I didn't see you. You won. Oh, kid, look at me. Sure. The eye got torn open again, huh? Oh, oh that's nothing. Collodion fixed it. Collodion up. fixes everything, huh? Get cut up, use collodion. That's nice. That puts you all together again. How long do you think you'll stay together? What's eating on you, honey? The last two, three weeks. The last been... two, three weeks. The last two, three years. Yeah, that's right. I hate it. You hate what? Oh, shut up. Oh, kid. Kid, what's wrong? You and me. Well, I don't get it. The only thing you do get is a measly few bucks for getting your head knocked off. Oh, I'm a fighter, So you're honey. a fighter. All right, fight. But count me out. Oh, now, wait a I've minute. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for him to carry you home. Me? <laughs> Me? It can't happen, huh? Well, all of a sudden, you start blowing your top. It's not all of a sudden. You said it. You said there was something wrong for the last two, three years. Okay. Okay, spill it. I'm through, Billy. Washed up. Finished. What? You and me. Done. Since when? Since right now. <sighs> <laughs> oh, baby, it's just the eye. You see me this way and you... <laughs> the eye. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, Edna. Don't laugh at me. I take anything but being laughed at. It is a laugh. Oh, now listen, you listen, honey. I don't care if you get punched all over the state. I don't care if you get your brains rattled so hard. It's Edna. me I care about from now on. Okay. So I'll be champ. So, so you'll get your fur coat. Not from you... you. Not from a guy who's beginning to look like a punching bag instead of a man. Look at me. Take a good look. I am. 
Yeah, I am. I got looks. I got class. I can do all right. I still don't get it. All right, I'll lay it on the line for you. Want me to? Go ahead. I'm not going to tie myself to a punchy character. I'm not going to have to walk in nice places with a guy whose face is... Well, look at her. Go on, take a look in the mirror. You see what I mean? You want me to quit? I don't care if you do or not, because it's too late, Billy. It's too late. Edna, you, you shouldn't say things. <laughs> Please, Edna, don't talk. That's the way it was, Randy. That, that's the way it was. Yeah, I see. Look, Billy, you don't want to go and see her after that. I, I tell you, Randy, I, I got to see her. There's something I got to tell her. It's got to be tonight because tomorrow she, she'll be gone. Billy, how do you know that she'll... Well, that she'll see you. Oh, I know, I know, because there's something I, I ain't told you. There's something, something I ain't never going to tell nobody. And, uh, uh, Rand- Randy, please, please, don't, don't try to stop me. Please don't let nobody try to stop me, because, because if, if they do, I'll, I'll kill them. said he'd kill anybody who tried to stop him from seeing Mrs. Walter Compton. I looked at his scarred face and into his eyes. A wild fever you see in the eyes of a dog everyone says is mad but only wants a drink of water. And then... Uh, I guess I, I shouldn't have said that, Randy. Well, let's forget it for a minute, Billy. Now tell me, why do you want to see her? <laughs> you don't understand dames, huh? <laughs> No, my mother never told me. Well, well, she gives me the brush, see, like I tell you. She, she gives me the brush, but, but she does it for me, see? She, she don't want me to get my brains knocked out, see? Yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to see, Billy. Sure. But me, I got no sense, so, so I don't see it her way. So I, I, I let her walk out, and I don't see her no more. Not until I get hold of that paper today. And tonight you want to see her? To say what, Billy? Well, but don't you see? She loves me. All these years, she, she never lets up, and I... I I, I want to tell her it's okay, that maybe her and me, we can start all over like, see? Uh, what's the matter, Randy? Nothing. Nothing, Billy. Look, don't let anybody kid you, pal. You're still champion. Oh, I ain't nothing. But, uh, oh, I, I gotta go now. I, I gotta get 15 bucks for us. Now, look. Look, you're tired. You need a shave. Maybe take a shower. You thought of that? No. All right, now you wait here and take a shower and a shave, and I'll bring a suit back for you. Is that a deal? Oh, gee, you, you're a champ, Randy, a real champ. I might be gone for a little while, Billy, but when I come back, everything will be okay. Sure. Okay. There was only one thing for me to do, go and see Mrs. Walter Compton. I made sure that Billy couldn't leave my apartment. I locked the door from the outside. I didn't want him picked up before he had the chance to see her. To see the woman around whom he'd built a whole world of fantasy in which he'd lived for so many years. I didn't want that world to come down around his ears. My newspaper pass got me in to see Mrs. Walter Compton in her suite at the Lakeshore. You're Mr. Stone? Yes, I am, Mrs. Compton. You're from the newspaper. Well, I'm not on newspaper business, uh, Mrs. Compton. Not tonight. This is more personal. Really? Well, what can I, um... 
Uh, do for me? Uh, nothing. Then please get to the point, Mr. Stone. My husband will be here shortly with guests. How soon? An hour. Why? Well, uh, because it concerns someone you used to know. Really? Who? Billy Candell. Billy Candell? As he was better known as Billy the Kid, once middleweight champion of the world. Oh, I've forgotten. <laughs> and I was glad to. Uh, Mrs. Compton, he's coming here tonight to see you. What? He's coming. <laughs> How stupid can you get? Well, for a lot of people, it's not hard to be stupid or uh, heartless. Yours must be a rather sentimental column, Mr. Stone. Uh, yes, it's about people. You better go. Look, uh, please see, Billy, what can you lose? It's out of the question. Listen, all he wants is to tell you something. He wants to tell you that... that he knows that you still love him. What? Oh, oh no. Oh, now listen to me, please. <laughs> So tomorrow he's going to... Well, he's going where he can rest. He's sick, Mrs. Compton. He's desperately sick. Let's not be so polite. The word is punch drunk, I believe. You want me to see a lunatic? No, he's not. And I'll be here when he comes. We'll keep it between us three. Do you know what you're asking? Yes, I'm asking you to give a guy a few minutes of his world. Make it real for him. Tell him anything. Tell him you still love him. Then he'll go away. After tomorrow, you'll never see him or hear from him again. You're asking me to receive that... That thing to bring him into this hotel where everyone can see him? Do you know what that means? Well, to him, yes. I'm talking about myself. Myself, Mr. Stone. Yes, I'd like to get off that subject for a it's moment. It's the only subject that matters. If you don't see him, he'll crack up all the way. That happened long ago. Good evening, Mr. Stone. Three minutes of your time. I said no. Did you hear, Mr. Stone? I said no. Okay, lady, I'm going. Uh, thank you for everything that's been lovely. You needn't be sarcastic, Mr. Stone. Oh, needn't I be? Look, Queenie, I got a little spot announcement for you. Billy owes you a vote of thanks. You'll never know it, but she gave him the biggest break of his life when you walked out on him years ago. Oh, really? Yes, positively. Tonight you're giving him even a bigger break. Tell me about it, Mr. Stone. Yes, I'll tell you. <laughs> the only thing that poor guy's got left is his memory of a girl named Edna. Any resemblance between that memory and you was strictly coincidental. Goodbye. I was glad to get out into the fresh air. All the way back to my apartment, I kept thinking of what I'd tell Billy. How I'd tell him. Then as I walked across the lobby toward the elevator... Mr. Stone, Mr. Stone! Uh, oh, what is it, Charlie? Hey, here's a message for you. Okay. Here you are, Mr. Stone. Thank you. How long ago he leave this? Oh, what, just a few minutes after you left. <laughs> did you know you'd left him locked in? He called down. He asked me to open the yeah, door. Yeah, did he say where he was uh, going? No, no, no. Just that he couldn't wait for you any longer. Oh, that is on the note. How do you look? How'd he look? Well, I mean, anything unusual about him? No, I... He had on one of your suits, I remember now. That, that pinstripe one, he must have stolen. No, he didn't your... steal anything. Now, listen to me. Uh, I'm going to the Lakeshore Hotel. If he comes back here, get in touch with me there. Mrs. Compton's suite. Mrs. Compton's suite, yes. Oh, and listen, I think you'd better call the police. But as for Kalski, remember that Kalski? Kalski. Tell him to meet me at the Lakeshore Hotel and quick. I took a cab and I took the shortest way to the Lakeshore. I watched the pavements looking for Billy, but I didn't see him. He had some money on him, and he must have taken a cab himself. And then I was back at the Lakeshore talking with the clerk at the desk there. Yes, sir, there was a, a man here of that description. He asked that a call be put through to Mrs. Compton's suite. And was it? Well, sir, he he was a rather... Well, yes, yes, I, I know, I know. So he didn't get through. Oh, I called Mrs. Compton's suite myself and told her. That is, I described the man. I... Yes, go ahead. What'd she say? That on no account was I to put him through or send him upstairs. Oh, well... Okay, that's something. What did he do then? He left immediately. Which way? Well, I'm afraid I didn't notice, sir. 
I was registering some new guests and I paid no attention. Okay, thank you very much. I had to find Billy before... Well, before what? What would he do? Where would he go? I asked myself those questions as I walked slowly along, watching for him, hoping to see that pathetic figure in my pinstripe suit, hoping I'd get to him before someone else stopped him. I was afraid of what might happen or could happen. And then I saw him, just past the Lakeshore Hotel, shambling slowly along, his shoulders hunched against the wind that cut in off the lake. I ran and caught up with him. Billy! Billy! Hi, Randy. Hi. What you doing over here? Oh, I just, uh, looking around. Why'd you leave my apartment? What? Oh, well, well, you was gone so long and I had to get gone, see? Oh, sure. Come on, let's walk. Yeah. Hey, I I borrowed one of your suits. It's a a real champ suit, all right. You mind, huh? No, no, Billy, none at all. Did you see her? Oh, oh, sure. What? You did? Yeah, I see that. Billy, they wouldn't let you go up, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, but but uh, I, I went up the back. The back, Billy. Now, look at me. Are you sure? Oh, sure. And and, and she still loves me, Randy. I, I said everything was okay. She's crazy about me like, like she always was. What did she tell you? Well... She she didn't want to talk to me. You know how she is. But then I told her I love her and, and she loves me. Yeah. Uh, Billy. Uh, Billy. I'm tired, Randy. Lots of things happened tonight. Lots of things. Yeah, I know. What do you say we go someplace for coffee? Yeah, yeah, I'd like that. I'm awful tired. And uh, when I get real rested good, I'll go back to see her. Her and me, we'll start over again. Hey, hey, this is where she lives, you know. Yeah. Look, I I got to see her once more, Randy. Maybe she'll talk to me this time. Not tonight anymore, Billy. But I I want her to talk to me. Well, I don't sure. Yeah, she will. She loves me. Billy, now listen to me. You let me go up there first. I'll talk to her and fix everything, okay? Tell her not to act like a kid. Tell her to talk to me. Yes, sure, sure. I'll tell her, but you must put... Hey, Stone? Yes, Kolsky? You put in a call for us? Oh, yes, I did. It's okay now. I found him. What you call the cops for, Randy? Oh, Kolsky's not a cop. He's a pal of yours. Huh? He thinks you're the greatest fighter that ever lived. He always wanted to talk to you about your big fight. Oh, sure, sure. But but we're busy now. I, I'll talk to you about it later, Kolsky. I gotta see somebody. Billy, I promised you I'd see you, remember? You... You're going to tell her I'll be waiting? Sure, sure. Now, you just stay with Kolsky here. Tell him uh, about the night you won the belt. Anything the matter, Stone? No, no, no. Just keep him here. I'll answer questions later. Now, Billy. Yeah? Promise me you'll stay right here. You, you won't stay long, huh? J- just tell her she loves me and, and and I want her to talk to me. Sure, I will. Okay, now you wait here. I didn't think it would do any good to see her again, but I wanted to give Billy a good memory to take along. I saw her all right, but she didn't talk to me either. I went back downstairs and out to the street. I hadn't been gone more than five minutes, but they were the longest five minutes of my life. Brother, I was beat. Hey, hey, Rhonda, you see her, huh? You see her? Yeah, I saw her, Billy. What did she say? Huh? You tell me what she said, huh? Well, I told her. Hey, Stone, how long does this go on? This is a prowl car, not a bus. Yeah, we're coming along with you. Yeah, what's the idea? Get in the back, Billy. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tired. I, I'd kind of like to ride to your place, Randy. Sure. 
take us to the precinct, Cosmo. Listen, Andy, did you see his girl? Yes, I saw her, but she didn't talk to me either. I guess she laughed once too often. She's dead. Huh? All right, now just take it easy, Skalski. The poor guy doesn't even know that he killed her. are going out all over the city. Even those neon signs on Madison Street. I've got to write my piece and put it in the slot. But what can I say? The story of a one-sided love? Well, if that's what love does to you, I'll stick to Pinochle. It's a funny thing about love, isn't it? Let someone get up and talk about hate, and he's hailed as a new leader. Let him speak of love, and he's ridiculed, he's spat upon, and... Even nailed to a cross. Love is the greatest thing, the oldest yet the latest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Copy, boy. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly, portrayed by real life husband and wife Jim and Marion Jordan. Now, here's a little-known fact. Marion Jordan had to take a protracted absence from the show from November of 1937 to April of 1939 to deal with a lifelong battle with alcoholism, although this was attributed to fatigue in public statements at the time. The show was retitled Fibber McGee and Company during this period, with scripts cleverly working around Molly's absence. While his wife was ill, Jim Jordan had been closing his radio shows by saying, Good night, Molly. In early 1938, the Federal Communications Commission ordered him to stop, claiming it violated a rule about using public airways for personal communications. Well, after a few weeks' deliberation, the commission found that no regulations had been broken because Molly was a fictional character. Jordan then resumed using the Good Night, Molly sign-off. And now, tonight's show, The Sculptor. From the Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, Ontario, and in conjunction with the 9th Canadian Victory Loan, we bring you the Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. of Johnson Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the Kingsman and Billy Mills Orchestra.
When Mrs. McGee of 79 Whistle Vista goes shopping, it's apt to be a very expensive day. Not because she buys so much, but when a husband like hers has the free run of the house, almost anything can happen. And here, coming home from her morning's marketing, arms full of bundles and heart full of apprehension, we find Molly. Alfitter McGee and Molly. Well, I wonder what McGee's been doing while I've been gone, I'm afraid. Be just like the rascal to take the piano part to get a G-string for his mandolin. Ah, must be getting a massage. Oh, McGee, McGee, darling, I'm home. What in the name of... McGee, what on earth are you doing? Go away, sis. Whatever you're selling, we don't want any today. <laughs> Come back sometime when my wife is here. McGee, sweetheart, remember me? I'm your wife. I'm glad to meet you, sis. Now sit down and be quiet. When my wife comes, won't you? Huh? Oh, hi, Molly. You home? What's going on here? What's that pile of mud on the piano stool? My dear girl, that is modeling clay. Have you led such a sheltered life, so remote from artistic circles that you fail to recognize a sculptor at work? Oh, I knew I should have taken you with me or stayed home myself. What's that thing on your head? That, my dear girl, is a beret. All us artists wear berets. <laughs> Keeps our hair out of the paint if we're painters. <laughs> out of the sculpt if we're sculptors. <laughs> and we are. Oh, we are? Yep. I've entered a sculptor contest. Wistful Vista Art Center. First prize, a hundred bucks. And I can use a hundred bucks like Herman Gehring could use a fast plane to Patagonia. <laughs> You've never had any training in sculpture, dearie. Neither did Victor Hugo, but he was a success, wasn't he? Victor Hugo was not a sculptor. Neither am I. <laughs> so I starred even Stephen with Victor Hugo. Now, if you'll excuse me, my dear, I must have at it. I say, McGee. <laughs> Please, Molly. When a creative artist is at work, one must never, never intrude with commonplace things. You have broke my mood. I'll break your... <laughs> now, Molly, control yourself. He's just a boy at heart. Where'd you get that Mother Hubbard effect you're wearing, dearie? That, my dear girl, is a smock. Borrowed it from a guy at the filling station. I see. <laughs> then the message on the back of it is an advertisement, not a character reading. Well, what's it say? Tires quickly. Yeah. <laughs> used to say tires quickly repaired. It's an old pre-war smock. <laughs> Now, let me see. A little more height to the forehead. Please, my dear, please, don't come between me and the mirror. Oh, now this is too much. Do you admire yourself so much in that smock and braid that you have to strut in front of a mirror? I gotta use the mirror, Molly. I'm making a clay model of my own head and shoulder. Oh, no. I'm calling it Self-Portrait of a Common Man. <laughs> now, let me see. Would you say I was about three inches between the eyeballs? Open or shut? <laughs> They're the same distance apart, open or shut, aren't they? I don't know. When they're shut, I can't see them. Oh, well, never mind. I'll use the tape measure. And... Come in. Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Molly. Who's the little goblin in the almost white nighty in the beret? <laughs> he looks like Michelangelo's grandmother. <laughs> well, no one expects a low brow like you, Aerosmith, to appreciate anything more artistic than the souvenir leather watch bob from Niagara Falls, Aerosmith. <laughs> Do you know what he's doing 
that play, Doctor? He's making a bust of himself. <laughs> well, I don't think I can add anything to that remark, my dear. <laughs> that leaves him as wide open as a dropped watermelon. <laughs> I'm calling it the self-portrait of a common man. And a very apt title it is, too, my boy. If a commoner man than you exists today in this weary world, I've been lucky enough not to meet him. Ah, uh, isn't that nice? You're not just saying that because you admire me, are you, Doc? Incidentally, how do you like my sculpture as far as I've gone? Well, speaking professionally and as a snap diagnosis, I'd say the model for that sculpture had an incipient cirrhosis, a chronic malfunction of the spleen, undetected adenoids, and a weakness for cheap cigars. <laughs> the prosecution rests. <laughs> Look, Jack the Ripper. As an art critic, you're a fat-headed old tissue slicer. You probably think anybody with an etching is just allergic to seafood. <laughs> After all, this is not a finished work, Doctor. It is just a hunk of common clay. Yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> Tell me, termite, just what do you plan to do with this wrung-out blob of river bottom after you get tired of teasing it? <laughs> Convert it into a housing project for homeless earthworms or bake yourself a batch of marbles, of which you could use a few? <laughs> Ignoring your crude attempts at humor, Doctor, I am entering this sculpture in the Whistle Vista Art Competition. Oh, no. Yes, indeed, Doctor. He's going to win the first prize of $100, he keeps telling himself. He would. He's as self-centered as a yogi contemplating his belt buckle. <laughs> Look, Cellini, take the advice of the family physician and throw that muck out the window. Then go take a long walk. Go bowling. Go skating. No, don't go skating. Your ankles would fold up like a street map of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Is that so? Say, now, he used to play hockey, Doctor, for the Peoria Bullfrog. Yeah. And very well, too. Golly, what a goalie. <laughs> he played hockey? Yes, I played hockey. <laughs> and I got old man Skinnamer to donate the rink, too. Skinnamer Ink McGee, I was known as in them days. Skinnamer Ink McGee, the slash slashness skater that ever slid sideways to shoot a sharp shot through center or slap a spectator silly with a slick stick. Set in the stands to screaming as I slam in the score that sews up the series, making me a sensation from Saskatchewan to Salem, but I promised him a sculpture and I wouldn't want to fail up. <laughs> And it's a grand night for singing. It's a grand night for singing. The moon is flying high. And somewhere a bird who is bound to be heard is throwing his heart at the sky. It's a grand night for singing. The stars are bright above. The earth is a glow and silvery blue Maybe the reason I'm feeling this 
Too far forward? I can't tell, dearie. Why don't you stick them uh, on with a hairpin till you step back and see how they look? Huh? Hey, that ain't a bad idea. I think I'll... No, no, McGee. Let me do it. Huh? I want to pin your ears back for a long time. <laughs> Here's a couple of bobby pins. Ah, interruptions, interruptions, interruptions. Our doorbell gets more fingers pointed at it than the tray of French pastry. <laughs> you get it, Molly? I says our doorbell gets more... Ain't funny, McGee. Oh. <laughs> Okay, come in anyway. Mr. McGee? Yes? We're taking a poll. Do you mind? Not at all, sis. Glad to help you. Thank you. Good day. Now, wait a minute, miss. Uh, what poll is this? The one that holds your clothesline up. We just moved in next door. <laughs> well, the nerve of some people, those new neighbors. No, I can't be bothered with them now, baby. Time's getting short on this sculpture contest. I gotta get busy. How am I getting the mouth? Is that smile right? No, I don't think so, dearie. No? Looks like you just come from the dentist with lips full of Novocaine. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no use guessing on this thing. Might as well do it right. Take this tape measure. And? I'll smile real big. You know, the old personality stuff, the happy old Don each, you know, corner to corner. The new measure. Okay, go. Hold it. Huh? There, I got it. What's it measure? 29 inches. Mm. <laughs> wow. I'm happier than I thought I was. The wrong end of the tape. Oh, shucks. Now we got to do the whole thing all over. Hello, Molly. Hello, pal. What's all the putty for? Tightening up the windows for winter? That's Clay, Mr. Wilcox. Himself here is entering a bit of sculpture in the Wistful Vista Art Competition. Sit down and be quiet, lad. I must work fast. Don't want to lose the north light, you know. Hey, does he do all this with his bare hands, Molly? He does indeed, Mr. Wilcox. If you'll observe carefully, my boy, you will notice that I can achieve with my thumb an effect which could never be duplicated by mechanical means. What's that, dearie? A thumbprint. Please. <laughs> Please, don't talk like that. Oh, don't I'm... talk like what, Mr. Wilcox? Like mentioning thumbprints. Oh, I'm sorry. Just... You know how I feel about thumbprints and fingerprints, especially on furniture and woodwork. They're so unnecessary with Johnson's Wax so available. Oh, say, by the way... I... I'm going to Canada tomorrow for a few days. Oh, business trip, Waxy? I'll give you a note to an old friend of mine, Hiram Walker. Uh. <laughs> old friend of mine up there. Known him for years. He raises birds. What kind of birds? Swallows. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I'm going to visit the Johnson Wax plant in Brantford, Ontario. 
You see, my cousin, Big Sedgwick Wilcox, is helping with Canada's ninth victory loan. <laughs> hey, I got a great slogan for them, Junior. Sign your name to victory. That's the slogan they're using. Oh, they can't do this to me. I just thought that up. Do they hopping? There's... Oh, uh, time to go ahead and use it. It's okay with me. Ah, oh, you're sweet, McGee. That's a good slogan, too, Mr. Wilcox. Yes, indeed it is. It means that when you buy a bond, you help guarantee a sound and lasting peace. You're making a promise to help pay the cost of bringing the fighting forces home, rehabilitating and maintaining the wounded, provide essential aid to liberated countries, and build a personal stake at home. You know, one of the greatest expenses of a war is the peace that follows. You've got to get your country off its planes and ships and tanks and jeeps and put it on its feet again. And besides hey, hey, that... Hey, 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 please, one side. Please, Mac. You're in my light, and i got to hurry with this sculpture. Oh, I'm sorry, pal, and I wish you a lot of luck with your new career. Thank you. Oh, say, if it interests you, my nephew, Big Phelan Wilcox, works in clay. Yes, so. Yeah. He made $100,000 last year. Heavenly days, $100,000. I told you there was dough in this stuff, Molly. What does your cousin make out of clay, Junior? Statues, busts, fountains, or what? Bricks. Oh. Well, so long now. <laughs> Boy, that boy, that boy. Oh, well, I must have that. McGee, what on earth are you doing now? Huh? What's that big round gob of clay on top of the head? Oh, I had some clay left over, so I thought I'd put a hat on it. <laughs> Easiest hat to sculpt is a derby. Kind of carries out the thought of the common man, too. Very realistic, I'm sure. Maybe... Ah, dead ratted, dead ratted luck. Everybody crashing in here when I only got an hour to work. Come in. This is a fine state of how do you do. How do you do? How do you do? <laughs> Mrs. Carstairs, do come in, Mrs. Carstairs. Thank you. Good day, Mrs. Carstairs. I trust you will forgive me, ladies, if I proceed with my work. One must create when one is in a creative mood, you know. Oh, of course, Mr. McGee. But, um... That you're boxing with. He isn't. He isn't boxing, Mrs. Carstairs. He's sculpturing a bust of himself. Oh, so sorry. I'm a little nearsighted, you know. Uh, interesting piece of work, Mr. McGee. Uh, thank you, my dear. Won't you sit down and watch me work? Uh, thank you, no. I'm on my way to take my music lesson. Oh, is that your bagpipe you have with you, Mrs. Carstairs? Won't you play something for us? Sure, Carsty, play something. Ah, there's nothing like music to inspire us artists to finer efforts. Come on, kid. Pump up the old hot water bottle and squirt us out a little Highland boogie. Oh, no, I really... Uh, well, if you insist, you do insist, don't you? Oh, yes, we do indeed, Mrs. Carstairs. Uh, what are you going to play? With a bagpipe, Mrs. McGee, one does not plan to play anything. <laughs> one takes what comes out. Kind of a musical punch board, eh? However, I shall endeavor to render a little song composed by my husband entitled, The Drummer Can Always Beat It, But The Piper's Left Holding The Bag. <laughs> well, are we ready? Now go ahead, Mrs. Carstairs. I'm all ears. Quite. <laughs> Uh, thank you. <laughs> that was the shortest bagpipe number I ever heard by a player in the longest kilt I ever saw. Are you Scotch, Carsty? Uh, half Scotch. 
Uh, what's the other half, Mrs. Carstairs? Soda to be amusing. <laughs> Canadian to be truthful. Good day. Good day, Mrs. Carstairs. must be quite an inspiration to you, dearie. You were really working like mad while she was playing. Yeah, but she threw me all off. I found myself making this derby hat into a time machiner. <laughs> it's almost finished. Aha! There. It's done. Well, all I can say, dearie, is that is a piece of sculpture. Yep. And I'm so worn out from watching you slap it around, I'm going upstairs and lie down a while. Okay, okay, mommy. <laughs> ah, there goes a good kid. Does she try to discourage me when I take up a new career? No, sir. Does she threaten to get a new hubby when hubby gets a new hobby? No, sir. You see the con- Come in. Oh. Hi, mister. Oh. Yeah. Hello there, Teeny. Now, look, uh, I haven't got time today. Oh, to... boy. Mud pies, huh? huh? Gee, that's a big one, mister. Can I play too? Can I, mister? Can I play some? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, my dear child, is not a mud pie. <laughs> uh, this is a prize-winning sculpture entitled... Uh... How'd you like to pick up a fast dollar, sis? Three. That's a good name for it, mister. No, no, no. <laughs> look, uh, the art contest closes in half an hour. You deliver this to the judges, and I'll pay you a buck. How much you win if you get first prize, mister? A hundred dollars. Hmm. One percent, yep. huh? <laughs> you realize, mister, in a court of equity, the party of the first part having contracted to deliver as per agreement certain stipulated charges... Okay, 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 okay. Two bucks. It's a deal. Yeah. Now get going, sis. I gotta get this entered before the contest closes, and if Gee, I... what do I cover it with, mister? Cover it? Well, let's see. Well, let's see. Where's there some wrapping paper? Oh, I know. There's some right here in the hall closet. No, mister. No, no, please. Billy Mills in the orchestra, and good, good, good. Thank you.
Mrs. Jet McGee? No, but I ought to hear from him any minute now that I got first prize. Or at least an honorable mention. Honorable mention, my clavicle. I take first prize or I take nothing. My gosh, if you'd have seen some of the sculpts they got down there. <laughs> Why, they got one sculpt down there of a guy with wings going out of his heels. That's Mercury, dearie. Well, I'll bet he dropped ten degrees when my sculpt came in. <laughs> The minute the judges see myself portrait of a common man, that must be my prize money being delivered right now. Come in, come in, come in. Oh, my goodness. Hello, Mr. Baird. Oh, hi, Ella Trivia. Good day, Molly. Hello, McGee. What's this I hear about you entering a sculpture competition? Oh, he has indeed, Your Honor. He's got a 50-50 chance of winning first prize, too. They either say no or they say yes. Hmm. Well, I do hope you win, McGee. Then perhaps you would make a small donation to a new civic project of mine. What project is that, Mr. Mayor? Uh, we're considering building a bridle path through the outskirts of town. There's been considerable... A bridle path? What do they need a path for? <laughs> Every bride I ever knew of took a cab from the church right to the airport or the railroad station. Or I was speaking of a bridle path for equestrians, McGee. Equestrians or Episcopalians, the principle is the same, Mr. Mayor. Wants to walk around the outskirts of town after I didn't can... say anything about a bride walking. I merely now said just that... a darn minute, Latrivia. I realize you're a politician and you got to get votes. But by George, if you're going to build special paths for newlyweds and let us old married couples tramp along the hard pavements, newlyweds have nothing to do with it, I tell you. But when citizens who keep horses come to me, don't change the subject, Mr. Mayor. I was not changing the subject. I was trying to tell you that the bridal path for horseback riders... And how many people get married on horseback? <laughs> Answer me that. Maybe somebody trying to get their picture in the paper. But that hardly justifies the expense of building a special path for them. Nobody intends to build a special path for newly horses. I mean, horseback riders. Uh, question. Look, did you ever own a horse, McGee? Had me a little Shetland pony when I was a kid. <laughs> Her name was Faber. He used to get up early every morning and curry paper, so my father would... Where did you ride? What'd you say, Mr. Mayor? I said, where did he ride his pony? He rode it where everybody rides a pony, halfway between his neck and his tail. That isn't what I... If you had a... Listen, suppose this pony was in the city... Yes? Wouldn't you like to have a special road where it was safe to ride out of the traffic? Why, certainly, but what that got to do with getting married? It has nothing to do with getting married! You started this marriage business, not I! We did not start it. People have been getting married for a thousand years. And they don't have to have a special path to walk home on after they do it, too, either. And I think that any... Will you listen to me? I merely stated that this city was building a bridal horse. Uh, a for you to that. I mean, when a man wants to take a bride, a horseback... Uh, <laughs> McGee? Yeah? May I say just two words? Why, certainly, Mr. Mayor. Good day! You know, Molly, I, I sometimes think he deliberately gets me into those arguments. 
just the same, McGee. Building a special craft for brides was kind of a sweet thought. Very romantic. With rose bushes along the sides, a bridal path might be a very lovely thing. Yeah. First thing you know, people start using it for horseback riding. Ah, but Latrivia's kind of a dream. Hot dog, there's my hundred bucks. Come in, come in, come in. Come in. Hi, mister. Hi, Miss McGee. Hi, sis. Hello, little girl. Well, did you bring it, sis? Did you bring my prize money? Where is it, sis? Come on, hurry up. Oh, hurry up. relax, McGee. Maybe you didn't win first prize. Let's face it. Of course I won. That was the finest piece of sculpture I ever did. It had to be. It was the only one I ever did. Come on, sis. Come on. Didn't they give you an envelope for me? Sure they did, I betcha. Here it is, mister. Ah, thanks, sis. And here's your two bucks. Open the envelope, Molly. See if they sent cash or a check. And you've got the most sublime self-confidence, Lee. <laughs> well, heavenly days, a check for $100. <laughs> well, Nat. And a little note. Huh? Dear Mr. McGee, congratulations. Well, I had to say that. <laughs> Enclosed fine check for $100 for your winning entry. Yeah, I betcha. <laughs> Torso of a goat. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's what did I tell you. When you got a talent like mine, you can't... For what? <laughs> Torso of a goat. What are you snickering at, sis? Just because them judges don't know a portrait of a common man from the torso of a goat? Well, it was kind of hard to tell by the time I got here, mister. Huh? <laughs> Boy, was it ever a mess. What you mean? I fell down with a try. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here in Toronto tonight in the interest of Canada's ninth victory loan. The objectives of this loan are the objectives of all of us on both sides of the border. Buying victory bonds means that you sign your name to victory, that you subscribe not only your money for the return and rehabilitation of our fighting men, but that you subscribe to the principles for which they fought, the right of living in peace with a future security for yourselves and your families. So invest in victory bonds today to the very limit of your ability. Peace with security is expensive, but it's the biggest bargain ever offered. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, this is the the products for home and industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Philip Marlowe, followed by our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.